up, everybody? Happy Friday morning to you. I'm Bob Wankel alongside Anthony Sanfilippo with a brand new episode of Crossed Up. And Anthony, since we've last talked, the Phillies have actually uh, stabilized things here a little bit. I was talking about a potential 2-5 and five road trip, and right there we should have all known right away that they would certainly do better than that. Um, so we talked this morning... Uh, coming off of a Phillies 9-7 win over the Dodgers in a series opener of a four-game set out west. And the Phillies winning two out of three against the Seattle Mariners win three of their first four on this road trip and actually have a chance to come back to Philadelphia. Winners of what looked like a very, very difficult seven-game stretch. And so you have to, this morning, feel pretty good about the Phillies despite the fact and I see you shaking your head there, that we saw an absolute roller coaster of a game against the Dodgers last night that made you want to rip your hair out. So, here we are, Phillies 15-17, and 17, slowly clawing their way back to mediocrity once again. Anthony, how are we feeling today? I, I'm pretty miserable, Bob. <laughs> I, I am. I, look, you're, everything you said was 100% correct. They win two out of three in Seattle, and that's great. Um... I still wasn't, you know, they, they want to talk about, oh, they scored 17 runs. Well, most of that was the first game, okay? Uh, the second game was, was another frustrating loss, if you really want to break it down and look at it. And, yeah, there was the crazy call at first base and Girardi getting tossed and stupid Major League Baseball rule. I get all that. But but they, they only scored three runs all off solo homers and only had five hits in the game. Um and Robbie Ray has not been that good of a pitcher so far this year, and they made him look like the Cy Young he was a year ago um, in, in the game. And then even in uh, the closeout game, which they win, a great credit, 4-2, to two, nice win. It, it's, it's one good swing by Reese Hoskins. Otherwise, there's no offense in that game. They, did not, they, they weren't that great offensively in, in that game. I don't want to hear, oh, well, they put up 17 runs in three games. That's great. They had one. Yeah, so the, Phillies have scored, the Phillies have scored 26 games on the first four games of a tough West Coast trip in which they faced very good starting pitching, averaging over six runs a game. And Anthony says, no. No, I'm disappointed. And so I would have probably had a different tune today, Bob, if you know they win that game last night 7-3. Seven four, whatever. Okay, I mean you're up seven to one on the Dodgers. It was a really the offense was great last night. There's, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not. I have no complaints whatsoever about the offense last night. They did it. They did their job and they did it consistently, nonstop, beginning of the game through the end. Great approaches at the plate. Really, you know, top to bottom, the lineup was really good. So I have no complaints about the lineup yesterday. And if they hold on and win the game without without all the dramatics in the eighth and ninth inning. I'm probably in a little bit better mood. All right. Can, can I just interject here? And I know where you're coming from, and we are going to dive deeply into this game. I will say this. Last night, as ugly as it got late, you watch this game unfold and you say, this is what we thought the Phillies would be. Yeah. Sneaky bullpen, roller coaster ride, offense kind of out hitting the flaws. And like last night for me, in a way... I thought it was one of, you know, the last two innings, I mean, the eighth inning especially, just horrible. But that being said, in a way, to me, it was one of the best wins of the season, maybe arguably the best win of the season, and I'll tell you why. Because every guy in the lineup had a hit except for Nick Castellanos, who's arguably been their best hitter overall this season. Twelve hits, nine runs, against a good Dodgers pitching staff, and a number of arms that have thrown the ball very well for that team this year. And then to boot, when you think back to last Thursday, as dismal and horrible and embarrassing as that loss was to the Mets, you have the Phillies holding a 7-1 lead in this game, and they are on the brink of, over a one-week span, blowing their second 7-1 lead, and don't you know, they actually hold on this time. Like, there had to be this vibe in the, in the dugout that was like, oh my god, here we go again. And they, they held on and they overcame it. I know that for me, if you've listened to this show, I typically don't give credit when you set low bars. And I know in a way it's sort of embarrassing that they were in that position. But I do think it says something that they were able to be resilient enough to tackle on the two in the ninth, regain the lead, and then Corey Knable holds on for dear life in the ninth. There's something about the resiliency element of it that I did like last night, as embarrassing as it all was. Okay, that's great. That's great. You know what? You know what? I just got finished doing, Bob. I just got finished covering a hockey team 
that was resilient in a lot of games and still lost. Well, they were resilient. They dealt. They dealt with that. They, you know, they held on yeah, finally and won, won a game. They won the game. That's well, all. Yeah, it happened. It happened. They're fi- they're fifteen and seventeen, Bob. See, see, this is what this is what this is. We're taking kind of a role reversal today. I'm usually the one who tells you that you got to, you know, let's be patient. It's early, whatever, fine. And you're the one who's usually in the moment getting a little bit more annoyed with them. And I think that we're a little bit of a role reversal today. And the reason we're a little bit of a role reversal today is you can't have these things happen, even though they win the game, because you put yourself in the bind that you've put yourself in. You cannot blow a 7-1 lead. And let's be honest, they didn't lose the lead. They did blow it. The Dodgers tied the game, 7-7, okay? So they blew the lead, okay? And we're close to losing the game. I mean, Andrew Bellotti, of all people, as I'm sitting here pacing around the living room, like losing my mind, is the savior in a lot of ways for what happens out there. Um, and again, cre- again, good credit to them for getting creative in the ninth inning and coming up with you know ways to get runners on base and get people moving, et cetera, et cetera. All good, all good stuff. And then it got hairy again in the bottom of the ninth. And that's to me, that kind of thing, and I know you're playing the Dodgers, best lineup in baseball, all that. You can't because it happened a week ago, you can't have it happen again a week later. And that's what bothers me. And that's why yeah, that's why I, I'm I annoyed. Say, I, I will say it's just I think for me it's a game that it feels like they they just lose. You know, I think the last four or five years, really the last 10 years, they just, they, they go on to lose the game. And we're sitting here talking about, Oh my God, you know, it happened again. And, you know, to use the word resiliency and talking about setting a low bar and kind of like, are we really applauding this this morning? You know, I, I, I hear you and I agree with you. I guess I agree with you to a certain extent, but that being said at the same time, kind of just taking inventory of this entire stretch of, of, you know, year after year with this team. And I sit back and say, they never win this game and they won it. You know what? And so I have to kind of give credit to it. I guess I, maybe I'm a little bit more forgiving because it's the Dodgers, because the Dodgers don't lose at home, because the Phillies don't win on the road. Maybe it's all of those things kind of combined that make me look at this and say, okay. Uh, you know what? Well, you know what, Bob? You're, here's where I'll agree with you. If this is the, if we were recording this conversation on Monday, Right, and the Phillies have come out of this series with the Dodgers, you know, a good split, or you know, th- even potentially, can you believe it? Maybe winning three out of four. I mean, if they did something like that, then I probably let tonight or last night slide just a hair. Right? I mean, okay, it's I'm not happy with it, but th- th- you know what? In the grand scheme, it was a hell of a road trip. You can't knock it. They did win a game that you know that they probably you know got a little bit lucky in. Okay, fine. And then let it go. But I'm not convinced going against Kershaw tonight, going against Bueller tomorrow, and Urias on Sunday, that there's another win in here for, with the offense, especially with Harper not playing Sunday. We, we, we're going to talk about that, the elbow situation. Um, that We already know he's out of the lineup on Sunday. So, like, there, there are things that are, you know, storm clouds to me still ahead and hurdles to, to leap over that I'm not sure the team's going to do. Now, if they if they do, then I can look back at this game and say, all right, maybe I overreacted a little bit. But until those things happen, until they get past these next three games and, and, and show me a little bit of something uh, against this team, then I can't then I can't get past it. Because it's one of those games that's you know it's gonna happen again and maybe next time they don't get as lucky and, and come out with a win. All right, well, we talk about it every week that we're going to be shorter every episode. It's going to be a little bit shorter today, and it is going to be a little bit shorter today because I'm on a pretty pretty strict time crunch here. Yep. So let's let's look at the rest of this series, and then uh, we could talk a little bit about Bryce Harper. We could talk a little bit more about last night, and then well, we got to talk about we got to talk about the eighth yeah, inning. Absolutely. I mean, and and, we're, and then we'll go a little bit big picture at the end. So. Let's, I guess, first talk about the game last night, and a lot of good things to say. Zach Wheeler comes out, velocity looks good early on, does a pretty good job, pitches into the sixth inning. Phillies hold a pretty comfortable 7-3 lead, or, you know, a, a multiple-run lead when he leaves the game and turns it over to, I guess it was what, Brad Hand, Brad right, Hand, in the yeah. sixth. So you're feeling pretty good about where they're at. Dominguez comes out, pitches a clean seventh, 
And you're like, yo, look at the Phillies, right? Big series. They have something to prove here against one of the National League's best teams, one of baseball's best teams, and you're feeling good about it. And then the eighth inning happens, and I know that you have a lot to say about the eighth inning, so let's let's walk through the uh, adventures of Jose Alvarado last yeah, night. Yeah, let's eighth. do that. Uh, so it starts off, and I, and I understand why he goes to Alvarado, because of where the Dodgers are in the lineup. Freddie Freeman's going to lead off the innings, a lefty, okay? Then you got uh, then you got Trey Turner, and then Max Muncy's another lefty who who struggles against lefties. Um, so I, I get it, all right. I kind of understand why you're going to Alvarado at this point, all right. But Freeman gets a single, and then Turner walks. All right, first and now it's first and second, nobody out, and there's a mound visit. Now, if you're sending the pitch the pitching coach out at this point, you got to assume that you're a little concerned about your pitcher. Right? Fair to say? Absolutely. Okay. Fair to say. Fair to say. All right? Uh, to me, I, knowing Alvarado's history, knowing what happens when he comes into these games and these, these kinds of things happen where he lets the first two guys on base, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm cutting the string there. Right? I'm moving on to the next guy. He doesn't have it. But all right. It's Muncy left versus left. I'll give it a – give him a give – well, He's got to face the three, Right. right? He has to face the three. So, and Muncy is the matchup you want. Right. We're fine. Okay. Muncy gets a single. Okay. Now, base is loaded. Here comes Will Smith. You have to pull him at this point, right? You yes. have to pull. Gives up a single to Will Smith. All right. Now it's 7-5. Okay. All right. Here we go. Uh, nobody out. It's obvious he doesn't have anything. They talk to him after two batters. Okay. Uh all of a sudden, next guy up is a pinch hitter, and it's Justin Turner, okay, who kills left-handed pitching, all right? Now, not only is it, is it crazy that he leaves him in. Now, Edwin Rios was originally in that spot in the lineup, okay, who's another lefty. So maybe you could convince yourself, let him go one more batter just because it's another left-left, right? And you already used hand, so you didn't have enough. You didn't have your other lefty in the pen. Um, maybe that, but once you see Turner, you have that's it's it, right? He's got to come out, got to come out. Leaves him in, RBI double. All right. Now it's seven six. That's four straight batters or five straight batters have reached base, still no outs. And guess what? They leave him in again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like beside myself with this now. Again, Cody Bellinger, it left left. I don't care. I just yeah. I mean, when you get that deep into an appearance and you just say, okay, he hasn't retired anybody. He's got yes. nothing here. Yes. You know, left right matchups. I, I just, it's the point you just have to say this has that vibe, right? Like we talked about. I just said a minute ago, this is the game that the, the Phillies never win. Yeah. I'm like, I, and I am I am befuddled that they're. I, I, I'm like. What what are you guys not? What are you guys seeing that the rest of us are not? Okay, I, I, so, so, but then he, so he strikes out Bellinger, right? And he gives one of his little like fiery celebrations. I'm like, dude, like, come on, like you've been raked. They've been raking you all over the coals this inning. You get one guy out, and we're gonna do like these fiery celebrations, Jose. All right. So then, then the next batter's Chris Taylor. Pretty good right-handed hitter against lefties. You gotta go get him now, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh Now's no! <laughs> nope. Let's go one more time. And what happens? Chris Taylor with another base hit ties the game. <laughs> I can. I, it's. It's. To me, this was a game where you talk about. We've talked in the last last couple of weeks. Is there something that you can sit there and say that you know can any, can something happen to get the manager fired? And I've been telling you, ah, it's still too early. There's no way you would do that. If they would have lost that game last night, that eighth <laughs> inning alone could have been reason enough to pull the plug on Joe Girardi. That was as poor a management of 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 your pitchers as I had ever seen. Well, what I saw there was during the mound visit, they basically took a, a can of gasoline and, and poured it all over the mound. And then Jose Alvarado, by the time he got to Taylor, took the match and just lit it on fire. I mean, it was a situation where you just said, 
what are they doing? There is no argument. There's no counter argument. You know, in baseball, every time you want to question a decision, there's at least a pushback where you say, well, you know, listen, though I don't agree with it, I, I see that he's probably thinking this or that, you know, he is looking at these numbers, even though we may not be looking at these numbers, or there's a guy that we think that they should push a little bit further that he doesn't want to. This was a situation where universally you look across the board and say, there is no way there's no matchup, no data, no gut feeling, nothing that would suggest that keeping him in, in that spot made any sense whatsoever. And they're lucky. And Credit to them, right? I said you should feel good about the win. They showed some resiliency, all of those things. But that eighth inning, not only did the Dodgers tie the game, they they would have taken the lead if they could have just gotten out of their own well, way. They, they, so then their manager becomes an idiot. It was it was almost like the pitching change, the idiot cloud walked, you know, went across from one dugout to the other. Okay, because then what happens there is Dave Roberts suddenly decides, let me put a pinch runner at third base. Now, if you're the Phillies, you're like, what the hell are you pinch running a third base for? I mean, right. it's not you're 90 feet away. I mean, come on. I mean, you, you really think you need that much faster? It's not that Austin Barnes is that fast a runner, you know, to score on a sack fly. So then they, so the thing of it is, is he brings, um, he brings him, he brings him in to replace Turner at third, and then Hanser Alberto comes up, and Hanser Alberto first pitch, bunts, misses the pitch. So you go, oh, I guess they're trying to trying to do a squeeze or something, some kind of. But Barnes wasn't running. Like it was like, did he miss the sign? What's going on? I can't be doing that again, can he? Especially with the infield in and only one out in a, in a tie game and the winning and you know, basically the winning run ninety feet away. Oh no, he went back to the well again. He went. He went. Dallas Cowboys fourth and one from the Eagles twenty nine. <laughs> it was. It was Barry Switzer all over again. He went for the bunt again, and not only this is it's not a suicide squeeze. So Barnes isn't running on the delivery. Gets a late jump, a bad secondary lead. Now Hoskins makes a nice play, fielding it, just flips it with his glove to Real Muto, and the outs at home. But what the hell are the Dodgers thinking after the way this inning has gone? The only thing I can think, I mean, you're talking about the go-ahead runner on third or the go-ahead run on third base with less than two outs, so it's insane. But the only thing I can think is, who's up next? And it's it's Freddie Freeman, of yeah. course. No, it's no, and no, it's Mookie Betts thinking, first. Oh, you're right. Because yeah, he yeah, has yeah, a walk right. in Mookie. Yes. Yeah. Mookie Betts walks and then Freeman. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, I, I just, it's it's crazy. I, I just, I don't know. I'm dumbfounded watching it. And full disclosure, you and I were talking. I said, I need a minute here. I want to make sure I have everything right sequentially. Last night, I'm I'm watching and I'm hanging. And I I'm I you know the Sixers game's over. I go to the Phillies. I'm in. I'm I'm doing the thing. Like sixth inning, because I'm not traveling. I don't travel. If, if you know, you listen to this. You know, cover the Phillies and all that stuff. I don't travel. So I'm on the couch and I'm fading a little bit, right? And I I I did. I faded. And I'm done, and I wake up, and it's like 4 in the morning, and I see 9-7, and I'm like, what the hell is this? And then I had to go back and watch the condensed version, and I'm like looking at the... <laughs> and I just... So I didn't get to experience this all unfold in real time, which I, I guess sounds a little bit like JV on my end, uh, that I couldn't make it through, but I, I piece all this together this morning, and I just go, I, I don't understand it. I, I didn't hear the broadcast in real time. It just, to me, it just made absolutely no sense. I, I did hear, or I did see people talking about it on Twitter, though, this morning, that, that even Tom McCarthy was a little bit, you know, not critical of Joe, I guess, but kind of pointing out that it was interesting that, that Alvarado had, had stuck this long into the game and, you know, the way that things played out on the Dodgers end in the, the, uh, the backhand. Yeah, so give Bilotti credit. I mean, give him credit. He comes in a tough spot. Yeah, the play there was, was pretty stupid, okay? Um, by the Dodgers, kind of gives you an out. Uh, and then Mookie Betts works a walk, but it was a good at bat. I mean, both ways, it's not like Bilotti was all over the place with the walk. It was, and it was a full count, ball close, ball four. I mean, it was, he fouled one off. I mean, it was, a, it was a, it was a good duel between the two of them. Mookie ends up walking, and now you got to go get Freddie Freeman, who's been red hot for the Dodgers, okay, and makes a really nice pitch. 
uh, up in the zone. He had been down in the zone, down in the zone, down, and he comes with a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, a little up in the zone, and Freddie gets under it, you know, fly ball, and they get out of the inning. So credit Bellotti did a real nice job there. And then in the ninth— And, I mean, you see Freddie Freeman walk, into, you know, walk to the plate there, and you're thinking to yourself, what, as he comes up? There's no way that this doesn't result in a ball in the gap. Yeah. You know, somewhere— it, it, they're absolutely I, losing this. Game I thought the play. opposite field single was coming. That's where I, I yeah. mean, because that's what he does, you know, and he he gets you with that. It's like the shortstops. That's what I thought was coming. That's what I thought was coming. Yep. The the question that I have is this: You're Joe Girardi, and I just said there's no way that you could process this situation and and make an argument to to leave Alvarado in the game as long as he did. So what is the argument? Because when you look at where he's at this season, he wakes up this morning with a 7.45 ERA. He's allowed runs, I believe, in five of his 12 appearances, mm-hmm. a 1.862 whip. And to be fair, a lot of that came last night, right? Okay, so dial back to even last season. You're talking about 64 games, uh, a four, uh, a 4.20 ERA, the whip, 1.6. I mean, this is a guy that's basically put on 1.7 runners per inning yeah. since he's been in a Phillies uniform. I mean, that's a, we talk about whip, and you hear the number and go, oh, that's high. You know, anything that's over 1.3, 1.4, it kind of gets a little dicey. But when you contextualize it and really think about what that means, you're talking about a situation where he puts on almost more than one and a half runners per per inning. So when you get into a situation a situation like that and you see how ineffective he is, what is he thinking? Well, I, it's not just what Joe like I yeah, I, I Joe's decision making in that game aside, which was the I mean I, I don't I just I've never seen I've never seen anything like it. I mean, so I, I don't even know where to go with that. But my question's more how is this guy still a relevant part of your bullpen? Right. I mean, in, in all honesty, with, with that whip, he's... Well, do you think last night's performance changes that? Does Brad Hand now sort of assume the the position as the primary high-leverage left-handed reliever? Or he, well, he should have been... He, he, I, I kind of thought that was the reason you brought him in to begin with. In all honesty, I mean, I know he came off of a, a, a not a great season last year, um, but at the same time, he's got at least has a track record. Alvarado does not. Alvarado... You know what? Here's the thing that's the most, and I guess the only reason that they say you put out, you keep throwing Alvarado out there, is he does strike guys out, right? We know that he strikes out like 11.4 base runners per, or 11.4 uh, guys per nine innings since he's joined the Phillies. It's pretty, it's just a pretty good number, okay? Um, and he doesn't give up a lot of hits, okay? In in his career with the Phillies, year and year and ten ten innings or whatever it is he's pitched this year. Uh, he's only given up 54 hits in 65 innings. That's pretty good, okay? Right. But it's the walks. He's he's given up 53 walks in 65 innings. That's that's insanity. And so, like, you have no control. Just because he throws 100, like, that, we're just going to keep going, hey. I mean, that's what you're talking about. You're, I think if you average that out, it's close to – it has to be close to what? Eight walks per nine 7.3 per nine. <laughs> I can't, it's, it's it's almost more than the hits. It's seven point four hits per nine, seven point three walks per nine. I, I I don't know how you could trust this guy at all in high leverage situations. If, I mean, if it's me, he's not in my bullpen at all. I'm Dave Dombrowski. It's like, all right, we got to cut bait. We find somebody else, make a trade, do whatever, pull somebody else in, give somebody else a shot. I don't care. You cannot cannot keep going to Jose Alvarado. All right, I mean, I just can't. It just blows my mind. So, so that's that. That to me is what I don't get. I don't see, and and this is Bob. This is where the, this is where I get the, the the burr up my saddle with the analytics stuff, right? Because I'm sure there's some data out there that's telling you that it's probably the right call to go to Jose Alvarado. But what I'm watching is a pitcher who cannot pitch in these situations. More often than not, I, you know, I don't care that he throws a hundred. I don't care that he strikes out guys. The, those things don't matter because he doesn't do the other things well enough. He's a little bit seductive, though. I mean, for every performance that you get last night, 
you go back to that Mets series uh, last week, and there's the key situation where he comes in, or two weeks ago, I guess now, he comes in, pitches you out of a base-loaded jam, gets that strikeout. He puts together two or three outings in a row where you see, hey, listen, look, you see the stuff, swing and miss potential, which they don't have a ton of. And, and so I get how you could be seduced by him, but you've also been burned by him so many times that as a manager, I think you have to start to say to yourself, I, I need more consistency. I, I, maybe I don't get the, the high-end payoff. Maybe I don't get the ceiling that he brings. But I, I can't crash out every every three times I bring him into the game. It's just essentially what you're getting. Yeah. I, yeah. And you know what? And I'd rather – I'll tell you what, Bob. And this is something I'm actually in the middle of writing something that's going to show up on, uh, on Crossing Broad later today. Like, you, just because there's one way to do something doesn't mean it's the only way to do something. And, you know, when you used to you, – you don't use the word crafty for a pitcher that throws hard, right? I mean, you just don't. They're not crafty. But a crafty pitcher, the definition of – the very definition of the word crafty is it's deceptive. It's deceiving. They, they do things that are going to, you know, throw off the hitter. And the one thing is, is Brad Hand's slider has been playing for the most part for the Phillies. And he doesn't throw 98, 99, Right. He throws 93, 94, and that slider goes you know, 90, 91, and it has some left-to-right movement. Little, it's like a side-winding side slider more than, it has, more than it has drop, and it really gets guys chasing it. Like, to me, that's a better option in your 7th, 8th inning crucial spots than it is coming into the game you know, when, when it's 7 to, th- you know, seven to 3 to replace, you know, um, uh, Wheeler, who had you know had said his leg, he had, he had no legs left at that point. Um, so I mean, you know, I mean, I, I get it. That was kind of an important spot too. But I'd rather flip it. I'd rather you throw Alvarado in that spot. Yeah, and just to give you some numbers based off of what you just said, you look at him so far. Opponents are hitting 176 against his slider this season. They're hitting 111 against his four seam fastball. And not only that, it's not a product of luck. If you go into Baseball Savant and you look at the, the stat cast metrics, and you, I'm a big believer in, in expected batting average, you look at the way that the ball's hit, on the plane it's hit, the velocity with which it's hit, I mean, 124 expected batting average on the slider, so he's actually run into some bad luck yeah. in terms of the real outcome versus expectation. And the expected batting average on the four-seam fastball, he's been a little bit lucky. It's 209, whereas guys are hitting 111 against it. And the slugging percentages are relatively low as well. So, I mean, that being said, guys aren't doing damage against these pitches. And, yeah, he's not going to come in and overwhelm you, but a guy that has some experience and knows what he's doing, and he's been far more effective to this point. Yeah, he really just has. And I, I, think, that that's, I think that change has to happen. Has to happen. Now, one thing I want – if we want to go positive, I'll give him – I'm going to go, go positive with number 37 again. Here we go. Po- positive, positive 37. We didn't even, didn't even start the game. Roman Quinn started the game. But um, no, ninth inning comes in. So now the Dodgers tie at 7-7, right? And Camargo leads off the ninth inning um, against Daniel Hudson. Pretty good, pretty good pitcher in his own right, right? Um, and this was a, it was a weak at bat by Camargo. Ends up hitting a weak little ground ball. And you all, all of a sudden you, you had that feeling like, yeah, this they didn't. They're gonna get sold off yeah, in nine, two, three, and the Dodgers, the Dodgers are gonna win in the bottom. Of the a walk off in three. Right, and it's a, you you could see it coming. Like the, they, the, and then they pinch hit with Oduble, and he comes up and lays down a bunt base hit. A bunt base hit. Okay, really, really nice play. Now I don't know if that's called from the dugout. If that's something that he does on his own, I didn't quite get to see if that was anybody asked that question after the game. Um, I wasn't planning on staying up that late for for the interviews, um, but really, either way, whether it's called from the dugout or it's Odubel making the call himself, whoever made the call, really smart call, really good play. But then, he, then here's another thing, and and this is a thing that you know we talked about this in the past. You know, he gets burned. He gets uh, fans complain about him all the time because he you know doesn't hustle or he does something stupid, bad base running. Segura gets this too, and I thought Segura had a, a real hustle play earlier in the game too uh, on a double. Like I thought that that was a real hustle play. I don't know if you remember that one, but um, Hoskins uh, comes up next and he hits a ball back through the middle that tips off of Hudson's glove. 
and the shortstop fields it, and the easy play is to second. But Herrera is busting it down between the bat first and second and sliding hard head first into second, makes the shortstop think for just a hair. He doesn't throw to second, throws to first, and Hoskins, who's hustling down the line of all people, beats it out. So it ends up being an infield single for him. To, so infield single, infield single, which you don't expect from the Phillies ever. You know, uh, then they get the runners over and a score on a wild pitch you know, and a sacrifice fly. I mean, bo- no, no hit out of the infield. And they were able to put two more runs on the board. They're run- and the other thing I wanted to kind of point out. And, kind- and that's what you like to see about the Phillies because it's just yeah. home run or bust. Yeah. Oh, we didn't have but it tonight. Ball didn't carry out tonight. And so to be able to manufacture like that late is encouraging. Well, the other, sure. and that's the other thing, Bob, I wanted, I wanted to point out is they're running. Yes, they I don't are. think I don't know how many people have realized how much the Phillies the Phillies are they're not they're fearless running the and you know Bohm got thrown out yesterday or the day before rather I think in Seattle and that's fine whatever um, but they're taking Segura stole third yesterday and was sure. able to score on that you know after that again good hustle was able to score easy on a, on a play there um, they're they're taking extra bag they're playing the way that we would like them to play sometimes. And, and I wish it would just be a little bit more consistent. You started this episode so negative, ready to burn it all down. And now here we are. You're, you're reverting back to your normal rosy <laughs> disposition. And you're excited and they're playing well. And you actually sort of are transitioning to what I wanted to cover, which is they're 15 and se- 17. They're, I believe, tied for second place in the division this yep. morning with Braves. Yep, that's correct. It, be worse you'd like it to be better certainly work with me here for a second and then we'll come back to the remainder of this Dodgers series because it's just a nice little segue into this the Phillies this morning have the National League's highest team OPS Mm -hmm. they have the National League's highest slugging percentage Mm -hmm. believe that they are number two in the NL in batting average and at the very least and I don't have it right in front of me they are I believe number five overall um, so when I look at this, I say, okay, they are the offense comparatively to the rest of the sport that we expected, you know, them to be. This is a good offense. Statistically speaking, this is a good offense, though they are inconsistent, though they've been held to one run or less, I believe like seven or eight times this season, their booms have been big booms and you look at this road trip and over six runs per game and even Reese Hoskins, who we were, I was particularly critical of earlier in the week. He's hit safely in all four games so far. He homered a bunch in Seattle, one for five last night. He's, I think, climbed his OPS up like at 80 points since we've last spoken. All of that. So the, the, the offense is trending positively. You have to feel good about this. Gene Segura, after a horrible start, has rebounded. He's been great. He's hitting over 300 now. So... You look at that and say, this is great. You look at the starting pitching. Aaron Nola, he was good against the Mariners. He's been really good his last few times out, and he ran into horrendous luck. Yes. And I'm not. No, you're I'm right. Not, I was, I, it was, I'm a results or results guy, but, I mean, that was unbelievable to watch unfold in Seattle. Those hits were the exit velo on those hits. Well, two of them were broken bat. Broken bats, swinging bunts, the Hopkins <laughs> play at first. I, I've never. Like there were two. I've there were two Texas League bloops. In the, like those, the, all the hits he gave, he didn't give up a hard hit ball in the game. Yeah. He gave up. He gave up three runs or four runs, whatever it was. So you look at his night and the way that he's thrown the baseball his last four times out. Zach Wheeler, I think, looks uh, like Zach Wheeler right now. Um, Just needs a little more stamina, his- I think, but. Yes. A little more stamina, but certainly trending in a positive direction. Ranger Suarez, very good his last time out. I think you have to feel pretty good about where he's at right now. Gibson's been the the revelation, right? Gibson's been fantastic thus far. Big start for him this weekend. We'll see what they get out of him. And, and, uh, you know, Zach Eflin, when he's back, we're talking about a guy, if everyone does, uh, all of the guys that we just mentioned do what they're supposed to do. Zach Eflin's going to have his games where he blows up, does, leaves you wanting more, but then he's going to go on his run where he's pretty good for a few starts. This rotation is pretty good, is what I'm saying. It is, and, I, and I'll hear. You know, we were bitching about that they didn't have depth, and they still don't. I, mean, I don't want to make. I don't make. Want to make pretend that they do. Um, 
They go out. And no, I mean, they go, Bailey Falter coming in for four and two thirds in a spot start was nice, but that does not solve the deficit. No, it doesn't. And I was just going to, I just wanted to talk about Bailey Falter real quick because I thought he had a nice game. Now, the Mariners lineup is not very good. Um, he had, he got, gave up his run early, but then pitched really well after that. Um, yes. He did throw 65 pitches. I know they were trying to get him through five innings to get the win. Uh, he didn't quite get there. Um, but it's at least encouraging, Bob. You know that that if he's that kind of guy that you know, hey, if can he come in and give you that spot start five innings, keep you in the game? He doesn't even have to be one run. It could be three runs allowed. You know, if he gives you you give up three runs in five innings, and he keeps you in the game when he has to start, that's that's more than you can want in today's baseball, right? Absolutely, agree. Yeah. So I mean, so like that that was again one game, but an encouraging sign, and hopefully, that's hopefully there's something there. Not only did he throw the ball well, but he threw the ball well in an important game. And I know that these are all important. I think I probably fall victim to this. I always say this is a big series. This yeah. is a momentum game. But that was a, a rubber match. Yeah. It was a, a series clinching game in uh, a stretch of series in which they have not won. Mm-hmm. And so to finally go out and get one, you can kind of say, okay, guys, we can do it. We, we just did it. It's been a while. Yeah. Let's feel good about it going into a massive series against one of the best teams in baseball. And don't overlook the importance of this series. We're, we're talking about being in the middle of May. The Phillies are chasing the Mets. They need to play better. They have to answer all of these questions, kind of get the fan base believing in them again. All of these things that don't really matter when you look at the standings. But I do think there's something to be said for. We talk all the time about the Phillies playing down to competition, their struggles against the Marlins, not taking advantage of easy schedules. And that remains a problem and has so far this season. The Rangers, the Marlins earlier in the year. But how about the Phillies punch up a little bit here and and show that they can play with one of baseball's best teams? And so it's not just about, hey, get a series split and go four and three on the road trip, but go in there and say, look at our offense getting it done against this pitching staff. Look at us going out west in a place that's very difficult to win where we have not won at all in recent years and taking it to these guys a little bit. That can do wonders for a team. You you, want to start to generate your own belief. We can do it. Well, you go out and play really well in the series, there's going to be a carryover. I I do agree with you on that. And that's why I said, you know, my tone might be different if we were talking about this come Monday morning and the Phillies have somehow won three out of four against the Dodgers, right? I mean, that would... I mean, look, even a split is good, but I mean, but three out three out of four. If you come if you come away from this road trip going five and two, like that's and it's it's now it's now a real it's now a realistic possibility. You still have to win two of the next three against the Dodgers to do that. You only have to win one to have a successful road, to have a winning road trip. So let's talk about the matchups then. Friday night tonight we have Kyle Gibson going up against Clayton Kershaw, who has been sensational. Has always been sensational, but has been particularly sensational this season. 4-0, 1.80 ERA, uh, 32 strikeouts. Uh, it probably comes as no surprise that Phillies hitters, uh, by and large, have struggled against Clayton Kershaw. Bryce Harper comes in, 27 career bats, hitting only 185. Uh, JT Real Muto, some success, hitting 278 with 18 at-bats against him. It's a tough spot for the Phillies tonight, especially after, if I'm not mistaken, the Dodgers lost two out of three to the Pirates this week. Yeah, they did. And they just came home and lost the series opener to the Phillies. I don't love the Phillies tonight, I must say. Yeah, I, I, I don't love them either, although, I mean, hey, it depends on how Gibson throws, right? I mean, he's... <laughs> He's he's the X factor for the Phillies tonight, because the one thing about Kershaw, as good as he's pitched, you know he is older now, and they are trying to manage him a little bit. He's not throwing as deep in games, so if you can if you can still be in the game when you get him out, not that the, not that the Dodgers have a, a bad bullpen by any stretch of the imagination, but if you'd had a cho- if your choice is either let me hit against Kershaw or hit against the bullpen, you're going to pick the bullpen every time. Um, so maybe if if Gibson can keep you in the game and give you a chance there. That's really the only way I look at it. But it so that's why to me he's the X factor in, in, in this contest. I, I don't know. Here, yeah. Here's 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 a question for you. You keep you keep throwing Schwarber out there against these lefties. As, as I mean, I know he had a hit. You know, um, finally broke the uh, uh, his slump yesterday. But I don't know. Do you, do you keep trotting him out against the tough left-handed pitchers that they're, he's going to face two of them this weekend? 
It's a question worth asking. I think that it's still so early in the season. You've paid him so much. You expect him to be the striving force in your offense. Uh, you certainly make an argument against it, but I would imagine that they will continue to uh, let him let him rip out there. I do. I I, I think this so knowing that Harper's not going to play Sunday, and we, and real quick, I mean, not, not that there's a, a lot to really say about this other than. Um, it's not great news, but uh, you know the news came out yesterday that Harper's got a minor tear in his owner uh, collateral ligament, um, which is in the elbow on the outer part of your elbow, right? Um, and uh, he will still have to DH for at least four more weeks. He won't be able to throw for four more weeks, but they're going to give him a PRP injection uh, on Sunday. What that means is platelet. Uh, a, a protein-rich platelet is that what that is that correct? PRP. It's like a plasma. Injection. Or plat, yeah. whatever. I, platelet-rich plasma. That's what it is. I, I knew there was some. There was something in there. Platelet-rich plasma um, that gets injected and usually takes forty-eight to seventy-two hours before you are like out of pain. Like, it, it hurts when you go through it. Um, it usually takes two to three days. So he's definitely not going to play Sunday, and there's a chance he doesn't play Tuesday when they come home against the Padres. Um, but they, they try to get it so that he didn't have to, you know, if he did it for this game against Kershaw, then he would miss the entire weekend in L.A. So they wanted him to at least play two of these games, the next two games, and then he's, he'll miss Sunday and then maybe Tuesday because Monday's an off day. Um, obviously that's not great news because it means you still got to trot out Castellanos and, and Schwarber as your corner outfielders defensively. Uh, we're going to be doing that through at least the end of June. Yeah, it's so it's not, about four weeks before they try to start up a throwing program. There's no guarantee that uh, that's going to work or that he's going to be able to do that. So I think optimistically, you're looking at late June, mid to late June, probably before he could potentially play in the field. I I wouldn't count on it though at this point. Yeah, I know it's it's it that's a that's a scary thing right now. Um, it just it's because but imagine where they'd be without the designated hitter. I mean, he would have missed. I mean, he'd be, he'd he be would, missing all this time. There's no doubt. There's there's no. They'd probably be talking post All Star break. Hopefully, yeah. you know, I and mean, that's where they'd probably be. Well, and think about it. like if let's say he let's say it was something where they went into okay, he has this tear. It's, they're calling it a small tear, um, but nevertheless, it's a tear. Um, let's say it was something that you could fix surgically. You're probably looking at it would have kept him out of the lineup at least two months, maybe two and a half months. And where is this team without Bryce Harper, who leads the league in, even though he's not having, you know, a great, great start, but he leads the league in extra base hits. Yeah. Yeah. Where would they? Where Where do you go without him at this point? So, yeah, I mean, he's been he's been pretty damn good. Uh, Twenty two runs batted in, eight eighty one OPS, seven homers. I mean, he's he's done a, a nice job. So we, I think you could at least at this point say. Yes, there's a ton of uncertainty over his uh, ability to play defense this season, at least in the short term. But I think you can re- reasonably say if the injury stays where it's at, there's no no impact whatsoever on his ability to swing the bat, drive the baseball, or any of those things. So at least you can hang your hat on that. Yeah, I mean that's that's the one positive. I mean that, that, that's the one positive. But yeah, yeah, I mean it's. Uh... So let me ask you this then, looking ahead, you have Suarez and Bueller on uh, Saturday night, and then I believe Aaron Nola goes on Sunday. I don't have it in front yeah, of me. Yeah, against Arias. Arias, okay, and uh, obviously he's he's extremely tough, and I guess kind of convenient that Bryce Harper will miss that game. Uh, you probably won't see him, what, Tuesday night they, either. They I said maybe not Tuesday, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he'll miss a few days, maybe not the end of the world. Uh, especially on Sunday with what would have been a tough matchup anyway. So you look forward these last three games of the series. Do you have any expectations? Do you expect to see them grab one more? Do they get out of here with a split? Well, look, they they, ha- they have to. They, they have to get one more. Um, if you're asking me where I think the best chance of that is, I think the best chance of that is Sunday. Yeah. Um, only because of the way Noel has been pitching. Yeah. And I just feel like he's in that he's in that zone a little bit. Right, Bob? Um but I would love for it to come before Sunday. You know, what I'm saying like let it be. Well, if it's going to come before Sunday, I think it may be. It may be tonight. Believe it or not, I look at Walker Bueller and I just say no shot. Uh, and I, maybe Kyle Schwarber runs into a couple, or you know, some of those left-handed hitters match up and they get it done. But I mean, Walker Bueller for me is is one of the five best pitchers in baseball yeah. right now. And yeah. 
I believe he's not given up any more than three earned runs in any start. I mean, he's he's pretty much automatic quality start for you at this point. So that's going to be very difficult. Yeah. Um, so I mean, so that's how I, I mean that's how I look at it. They they absolutely have to get one, and if they get one, when we look back on the week, it's a it's a very successful week. If they get is. if they get two, now we're talking about some mo- real momentum coming back home next week. And they'll need it because, as we talked on the last show, that you know, this this does not get easier for them. Right. This is, uh, you know, maybe it gets a little easier because at least you're at home. But in terms of quality of opponent, it, it remains brutal. So they have to, if they have another level, if they have a way to kind of raise their game a little bit, it, it has to be it has to be right now. You have the Padres coming in for three. You have the Dodgers coming in for three. And then you have a massive stretch of NL East games four in Atlanta, three uh, at New York towards the end of the month before you then come home again and have to host Gabe Kapler and the Giants who are still playing good baseball out West. So there just can't be any let up here. So every one of these wins is huge. Last night was huge. Getting two out of three against the Mariners was huge. And it's, it's just a gauntlet right now that they have to try to run through and hopefully survive when they turn the page to June, which is difficult at least for the first week or so before it finally lets finally, up a little bit. Finally lets up. Finally. Yeah. Well, yeah. So far so good this week. Came in and I was ready to kind of say they, they may be staring at uh, you know seven games, eight games under 500. So they've at least stabilized for the time being. We'll see if they can carry that momentum through the weekend. Kind of get out of Los Angeles alive. Do uh, you have anything else you want to talk well, about before we begin? One last thing. Sure. One last thing. Uh, we talked in uh, we talked in the last two weeks. Two weeks ago, we talked about how bad the Cincinnati Reds are, and last week we touched on the horrible start of the Boston Red Sox. But I want to talk about a couple teams that maybe are surprising people a little bit this year, and I want to get your take and see if they're for real. Are they real? Um, first one. Let's go to the start in the American League. The Angels, twenty-one and twelve, um, second best run differential in baseball, plus forty-five. Um, if it wasn't for the Astros in the middle of that, they're in a 10-game winning streak right now. Um, they probably would be the the you know the inter- most interesting story in baseball. Uh, you know, finally you got you got two stars there and Trout and Otani and some other guys that are are playing some good ball for them. Are they for real? Offensively, they certainly seem to be. Mentioned earlier, the Phillies have the National League's best OPS, best slugging. Well. The Angels have baseball's best OPS and best slugging. Yep. They've been fantastic from an offensive standpoint. Otani, Trout, guys that have not had the ability to play in meaningful games as, as seasons have progressed, they seem to have a little bit more edge to them right now, a little bit more heat to them. And so right now, yes, I mean, it certainly seems that they may be legitimate. And you look at that division out there, the Rangers, we've talked about what a mess the Rangers are. I don't think expectations for the the fire sale Oakland Athletics, who are drawing 4,000 fans a night, not a very good team there. The Mariners, no offense, as you've pointed out. They've been playing terrible baseball, 2-8 and in their last 10. So that division starts to sort of shake out. We say, well, we know the Astros are good. There's got to be another team in there somewhere, right? right? And this year, if it's not going to be the Athletics, then it looks like it might be the Angels. Yeah, and I, and I agree. And the interesting thing is, is um, uh, we get to see them come here uh, for a short series in early July, right? Is that when they? Is that when they a come lot here? of uh, Mike Trout shirts he's out there in the stands that for those three? Yes, games. there will be. And then they had the kid, the rookie, threw a no hitter there last week, right? Reed Detmers. Yeah, Detmers. Yeah. Not, not, not the former, uh, not related to any of the former Eagles quarterbacks. Um, and by the way, I will say I talk about them from an offensive standpoint. Just looking at this now, too. I mean, top five ERA in baseball. So, yeah, it's it's they've they've been a uh, yeah. It's not just like it's they're just battering opponents. They're they're doing it in every way possible yeah. right now. So and then here's the other. Here's one in the National League, and I and I think I know where you're going to go with this. But nevertheless, you know, we know the National League West is stacked. You know, Dodgers and the Giants and the Padres. How about the Diamondbacks? 17 yeah, and 15 right now. Only four games out of first, three, you know, uh, I think they're two and a half out of a wild card spot right now. Not even. Uh, the last, they're half game out of a wild card spot. Cardinals have the, would be the third wild card at the moment. So, half game out of a wild card spot. Yes, it's way early, only 32 games in. 
and their run differential is there they're on the negative side, which means it's probably going to come back down to earth a little bit. But 17 and 15 with a very young team, sometimes they don't know you know team doesn't know that they're supposed to be bad, hangs around a little bit longer than you think. Yeah, Arizona's actually thrown the ball pretty well, uh, both in the starting rotation and the bullpen. The the issue there is somewhat I have questions about their ability long-term from an offensive standpoint. You look at their regulars. I mean, nobody's hitting over 250. Nobody has an OPS over 800. I just don't know that that lineup has enough juice in it. And guys, it, over time, you, you talk about like David Peralta. I feel like he's killed the Phillies over time. And Varsho's a nice hitter. But I just don't know that there's enough there, especially in that division. I would, I would have to imagine in time that they'll fade. I, I agree with you. In the right direction, a lot to feel good about if you're a Diamondbacks fan, but not a team that I would say when we get to the middle of August is, wow, look, they're within striking distance. I just don't see it. Yeah, that. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, and I mean, I haven't really looked at their calendar. Um, but, I mean, they did beat the Dodgers two out of three um, just uh, last week, I think it was, or a week and a half ago. Um, so, I mean, you know, they, they did play well against them. Um, they haven't played the Giants or the Padres. Uh so, I mean, you know, the schedule, I'm sure, is going to get tougher for them. Um, but, you know, you, you, get a little, you, know, got, you got Bumgarner getting fired up when he got tossed from that game the other day, last week. And Zach Gallen looks like Zach Gallen again, you know, throwing, throwing some good innings well, for them. They've the baseball very well. I mean, the starting rotation's done a nice job. But the fact that they're over 500 as we talk right now is amazing. I mean, their team batting average is 199, man. <laughs> 199 they're hitting. Yeah. They're 24th in baseball in OPS, 643 OPS. I mean, that offense is, is still terrible, yeah, you're right. but you're right. it is. they're making strides. The pitching's been pretty good. I just don't think that they can compete in that division. There's just, I, frankly, I, no shot, I would say. I, I agree, but you know what's going to happen, don't you? The Phillies are going to have to play them in a series oh, at some yeah. point. That It's going to be very meaningful to the Phillies and not so meaningful to the Diamondbacks, and they're going to face this kind of pitching and, like, lose, you know, two out of three. <laughs> They were swept in Arizona last and, year. And beat here, too. I think Arizona I think Arizona won the first two games of a four-game series here, and then the Phillies won the last two. But I think it was – I think they went two and – if I'm not mistaken, I think they went two and five against Arizona last year. It's amazing. So, yes, I could see that because I just saw it. <laughs> so. Yes, I'm in on the Angels. I'm, I'm out, out on the D-backs. I'm with you. I'm with you on, on both. So. All right, well, everybody, hold on to your chairs here over the next three games or so. We'll be back on Monday to recap what happened uh, against the Dodgers, Phillies' final three games of a West Coast swing and talk about where things sort of stand before they open it back up at home against the Padres next week. For Anthony Sanfilippo, I'm Bob Wankel. Thank you for listening to Cross Up. Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we will talk to you soon.